From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. If we want our economy to bounce back, um, then these small businesses need to not just survive, they need to thrive. And to do that, we gotta go support them. And, and Ryan, there's nothing, nothing that's uh, a bigger and better investment than that. Uh, go order some chicken wings and from your local uh, place and, and, uh, and support small business out there. And that will make it so that this economy can uh, really restart quickly. And that will be the number one catalyst. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan Dietrich here. And on the line up in Boston, we have Jeff Bookbinder. And right here in Charlotte, we have Bert White. Bert, I'll start with you. Have you been watching The Last Dance with Michael Jordan? Yes, I have. It's been unbelievable. Yes. What's your main takeaway? I mean, if there even is one, I mean, 10 hours of watching, I, I, it's hard to pick one thing, but what's the one thing that you'll remember, you know, 10 years from now when we talk about it, you think? Well, I, I, number one is how much fun I had watching sports back when I was, you know, in, in high school and college. Um, I mean, that was the pinnacle. Um, and I don't think sports will ever be like it was back then. But I, I think if I took one thing away, it is that in order to be a winner, um, you know, a leader, um, in order to be a leader, like you have to go all out. And just the way Michael Jordan build that team um, to win, um, I think that's what leaders do. They have to will their team to win. And um, I, 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 I'm just amazed at what he had to go through. And maybe the last thing, Ryan, uh, as someone who presents a lot, you present a lot, you never mail in a single game. I mean, there's not a single game he mailed in. You know, he yeah. showed up every single time. I, those are the big things I took away. I was just awed. Or practice, right? It sounds like he took, he almost took practice more seriously than the game. I mean, the one thing that got me that growing up watching him, yeah, they won all the time, right? How many games were close? You're talking about the greatest player, and now we could argue here, but probably one of the greatest players, if not the greatest basketball player of all time, yet they won a bunch of games literally at the end of the game. I mean, that is how close the talent level was, and then you add the layer of Michael Jordan, you win right at the end. Now, Jeff, with you, you lived in Chicago during all of this. I mean, how crazy was the 90s living in Chicago? Oh, it was, it was great. Uh, I was really uh, spoiled, Ryan. I I actually remember camping out for final tickets back uh, when I was in college. Actually, slept all night in a tent and wow. got uh, got tickets to the Portland series. That was that was great. It was really um, something I uh, I never took for granted, and, uh, and and still don't. A lot of great memories. Well, good stuff there, guys. So yeah, if you haven't had a chance to watch it, we didn't give anything away. They won six world championships, but it's how they got there. It was just totally fascinating. So this week in the LPL Market Signals podcast, we're going to talk about some things. We're going to review last week a little bit, incredibly historically weak retail sales numbers. We're going to focus on our weekly market commentary this week, which takes a look at U.S.-China trade, which is deteriorating. Some update on the Fed. And just last night, the Fed chairman was on 60 Minutes, so we have a little more to talk about there. Then valuations are getting high. Then we're going to end it with Bert's take on why small businesses matter. We know they matter, but we're going to get Bert's special take on that. So let's see here. So, guys, let's start off with – I'll just kind of lay, lay out last week. Stocks were lower uh, by a couple percent. You know, the weakness has been there. You kind of take a look, though, over the weekend, 60 Minutes last night, you have the Fed chairperson, Jerome Powell, on. That's the third time he's been on 60 Minutes, actually, the last year. The second time since the financial crisis started. 
and you think about it, it's kind of unique. And, it, you know, Bert, it seems like it shows this is really how this Fed is, incredibly transparent. Am I, am I on to something there? Yeah, absolutely transparent. Uh, I mean, you know, they... He's going on they, TV. <laughs> absolutely. I, I mean, you've never seen anything like it. And you go back 20 years ago, uh, you know, or maybe even 15 years ago, you know, clearly before the Great Recession, you know, you'd have to you'd have to wait until the Fed sort of pulled a magic, you know, rabbit out of the hat or something. And, and now uh, they are really walking this, um, investors walking, consumers and walking this market all along the way, showing them the playbook. And I think that's important. I mean, giving the playbook to the market and saying, I'm going to be as transparent, you're going to know everything that we're going to do. And the combination of transparency and omnipresence, meaning I will do everything in my power, outside of negative rates, but I will do everything, uh, is massively, uh, massively important, I think, Ryan. No, great points there. So, I mean, Jeff, what was your takeaway to what he said last night? Because obviously last week, Jerome Powell was in the headlines at a virtual conference and kind of gave, I thought, a little bit more dour outlook. And then last night, it seemed like the market took it and futures soared. And we're in here this morning on Monday and futures continue to go higher. What did you think about what the Fed chairman person said last night, Jeff? Yeah, it's do whatever it takes. Yep. Right. So, uh, you know, they've taken. Um, some some criticism here for being out of bullets early, and clearly they're not, right? So I think the market really likes the reassurance that they can do more if things deteriorate. We also heard, um, you know, the negative interest rate question right. again, and I think it's pretty clear that um, they don't want to go there. So we'll have to either see uh, an, a, a big leg down, I think, in, um, in economic growth to uh, – to see that, or frankly, a change in Fed leadership. So don't don't look for that anytime soon. Yeah, as a as a long suffering Cincinnati Bengals fan, we had Marvin Lewis. I think it was thirteen years, unlucky thirteen, but he always said he he'd see better than he'd hear. Okay, you know, you could say one thing, but you can see better than you hear. And and if you look at what the Fed is just simply doing with its balance sheet, it's it is soared higher, up nearly seven trillion dollars on the balance sheet. And one thing that we learned last decade. An expanding Fed balance sheet tends to be more of a tailwind than anything for equities. Now, does it truly help the economy? We can argue that all day, but we were pretty confident an expanding balance sheet with all the other things the Fed is doing on lending to bring back confidence and liquidity. The Fed is an absolute backstop. Now, Bert, on Friday, though, we had retail sales numbers that were just historically terrible. I mean, you know, the worst month over month we've ever seen, down over 21% the past year. The incredible one was clothing, down 89% the past year. You've had a weekend to think about it. Any any initial or, you know, more thoughtful takeaways on that retail sales number on Friday? It, it was crushing. I mean, I don't, there's not another word for it. It, it yeah. was just devastating and crushing. Um, you know, the reality is, if you, if you, if you think of it this way, um, you know, just two months ago, Americans spent $530 billion at re- retail establishments a month. Uh, and in April, it was $400 billion. Um, and that just goes to show how, how, how dramatic those declines were. You talked about clothing. Um, you know, $22 billion spent in clothing in February, two in April, two. That's that 90% number. Um, Ryan, it, it was it was crushing. I, I will say this, though. You know, some of the data that I was looking at over the weekend – 
um, just paints a little bit of a, a maybe a silver lining here that we're beginning to see the green shoots. Um, you know, Open Table is now um, showcasing sort of a year-over-year -year change in bookings. And if you go back to April uh, 26, so what's that? Three weeks ago. Um, three weeks ago, everything was negative 100, meaning you know, from year over year, the bookings were down 100 percent. Nobody was going to the restaurants. But you go to just now, May 16th is the latest numbers I could find. Arizona is down 72%. It's bounced back 28%. Florida's bounced back 20. Georgia, 16%. Nebraska, 17. Oklahoma, uh, 35%. People are going to the restaurants in Oklahoma. Texas, 25%. So the reality is you're starting to see a bit of this. But Ryan, there was just no other way to say it. That It was just downright devastating. Yeah, you know, building on that, I mean, it is clearly a backward-looking index or piece of data. And you think we've probably hit a floor here for as bad as it was. But, Jeff, you know, we do a call with our advisors every single day, and you brought up some more real-time economic data. Bert brought up Open Table, But what are some of the other more real-time economic data pieces that maybe do paint a, a much better picture than what that headline retail sales number was? There's a whole bunch of those. The um, searches on maps software, you know, people trying to figure mm -hmm. out where they're going, that means they're leaving their garage, right? Fuel consumption electricity demand, Uber rides, TSA data, people going through the airport. I mean, actually TSA data is up almost 50% off the bottom. So there are a number of indications that, um, you know, people are starting to get out uh, and go places. And that uh, certainly is um, encouraging as we look ahead to an economic recovery in the second half. Yeah, you know, F. Scott Fitzgerald wrote in The Great Gatsby, never confuse a single defeat with a final defeat. And I think that's important to note. You know, there's a lot of single defeats as we see, but the final defeat, we don't think it's there. We're in a recession, but we are seeing some things absolutely come off the mat. And these more, I mean, just like you said, Jeff, their use of uh, fuel. I mean, I, guys, I actually filled my car up the other day. I think it's been about three and a half weeks since I did that. But, you know, just people getting out doing a little bit more. So, Bert, let's talk about our weekly market commentary right now. We, we broke it up in three sections, really. Valuations, U.S., China, and Fed. We, we've kind of already touched on the Fed. But, Bert, U.S.-China trade discussions right now, or discussions, I don't want to word it, um, arguing is, is starting to flare up. And if you think about it, April 30th is when we finally got some more aggression from President Trump toward Beijing. That's really when the S&P peaked. Um, you know, any initial continued worries about U.S.-China going back and forth, Bert, right now? Well, I, I mean, I, I think you've got several pieces. Number one is confidence. I mean, you know, what we've been saying for a while, Ryan, is that we're in more than just an economic recession. We are in a confidence recession. And, you know, until consumers feel confident enough to spend and, and, and companies feel confident enough to buy, you know, um, we're just not going to get back to where we where we are and uh, where we need to be. And, and, and I, I think it's that this is just driving um, more lack of confidence. The other thing I would say is just don't underestimate some of the important pieces we actually get from China. You know, I saw over the weekend just some component pieces that are just vital. Something like 90% uh, of ibuprofen, um, you know, the, the most of the stuff that actually makes Diet Coke sweet, that sweetener comes from China. So the reality is, um, as crazy as the supply disruptions are now, this is, um, I think, got the market a little bit concerned that you could end up magnifying those supply disruptions. 
And as tough as businesses are trying to you know, get things out the door and, um, and be able to get things to consumers, um, this, this could make things even worse. And I think that's just one of the things that's on the, on the market's mind. Yeah, you know, it was on Friday morning that the U.S. said that Huawei was not allowed to purchase U.S. semiconductors anymore. Because on Friday morning around 1030, I looked and I saw, you know, the market was up or hanging in there, yet semiconductors were red by a wide margin. Then I realized that was the reasoning for it. Now, Bert, before I go to Jeff, Jeff and I already discovered this this morning. It turns out Huawei is the second most mispronounced word in the world. Bert, do you have any clue what the first most mispronounced word might be? Put you on the spot here. Um, no, I have no idea. Yeah. I didn't either until I looked it up. Karaoke. And that, uh, uh, apparently oh, the word on. karaoke is the most oh, mispronounced right. word in the world. Now, we can pronounce, I mean, we pronounce it, I think, here in the U.S. That's probably more of a global thing. But no doubt about it that Huawei is a frequently mispronounced word. So, Jeff, hey, you know, bringing you in on this, I mean, you know, if semiconductors start to crack a little bit, like they did on Friday, now they're bouncing back this morning as we speak. But if that kind of shakes that foundation, that has been a true leader in the best performing group, which is technology. I mean, what's your take there if that starts to break a little bit? Yeah, I mean, technology has been a leader for a long time, and it's probably going to continue, but there's there are challenges there, right? I mean, some of this leaks over into the some of the other sectors where the mm-hmm. big Internet names are. But you first got China, right? And the technology sector generates a lot of revenue uh, in China. And the supply chains, as we learned during the whole trade war the past couple of years, are certainly closely intertwined. And then you have this other story around um, – you know, potential antitrust challenges for the big internet companies. Right. So it's it's not it's not all smooth sailing for tech. We still like the sector, still like big internet names, very well positioned for this environment. But uh, it's probably not going to be smooth sailing going forward. And the China tensions are unlikely to abate anytime soon because you know China's a big election issue, and <laughs> we still got <laughs> six months to go before we know who's going to be in the White House and. Uh, 2021. Yeah, no doubt. You think about our country clearly divided. One place it's not as divided is is on China. The left and the right, obviously, are probably going to be harder on China. So, Bert, last week, some of the other headlines that we saw, some of the largest, most successful money managers ever have been a little more cautious. David Tepper, who owns the uh, Panthers down here, said it's the second most expensive market he's ever seen in his career, only the late 90s. And then Druckenmiller had some comments. This is one of the most uh, dangerous from a risk-reward market he's ever seen. And then we already discussed Buffett a couple weeks ago, where it turned out actually over over the weekend it was announced that Buffett sold most of his Goldman Sachs. Remember in 2008, he bought a lot of Goldman Sachs at a really sweet deal there. So Buffett's been unloading. I mean, we have concerns of evaluation near term. Bert, when the smartest guys in the room are worried, should we be a little more worried, you think? Easy yeah. question. Uh, yeah. Um, actually, I can't get uh, that that uh, that most mispronounced word out of my head, uh, Ryan. <laughs> I know. I loved it, too. I thought we'd use it on the podcast for sure. Oh, I, I don't know how karaoke could possibly be that. I, I think it might be. How do you say this word, Ryan? P-E-C-A-N. The nut. P-E-C-A-N. I live in the South, so it's called pecan down here, right? <laughs> I, you know, it's pecan or pecan or pecan. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's mis. I, I will tell you, I think that demonstrates whether or not you're from the south or the north, maybe right. more than anything else. So, sorry. Okay, so the question about, about should we be concerned about 
top folks. Yeah, the reality is yes, but but remember, a lot of these really big money managers, you know, what 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 some of them are trying to do, particularly these hedge funds, uh, they are really trying to make money on both sides of the trade. They're trying to do things a little quicker. Um, number one, they're trying to preserve capital, um, and and. and Oftentimes, they're not as long a term investor as, as, as others are. And so I think we need to take it with a, a grain of salt. That said, um, these are smart folks that, that clearly see, um, you know, disconnections and, and distortions. And there's no doubt about it um, that earnings um, has not gone down uh, or prices has not gone down as much as earnings have. So therefore, you definitely have uh, higher valuations. And the reality is valuations matter over the long run. Um, I like to say that, you know, valuations like brushing your teeth. Um, over the short run, it probably doesn't matter so much. But over the long run, it's all that matters. And you don't need to brush your teeth every single day. You should. But, but if you miss a day or two, you'll probably be okay. Your teeth won't fall out. But over the long run, they will. Um, and that's how important valuations are. And, and I think that they're just signaling that, that maybe prices – have just disconnected a bit to where um, future earnings are really uh, relaying. Yeah, good points. You know, another word that came to mind with some friends I've made down here since I moved here four years ago is syrup. In the north, it was syrup, but down here, it's syrup. So I always I call it syrup. My wife gets mad every time. I say, well, we, we live in South Carolina. So anyway, uh, Jeff, you're the valuations expert. I know you talked about valuations in our weekly market commentary. And then also, Jeff, I want you to chime in on the breakdown in earnings. I was fascinated when you pointed out that just a couple sectors are really pulling things down. What do you see in earnings and valuations, Jeff? And we've got uh, maybe five minutes, so try to, you know, in a couple of minutes, Jeff, summarize that one. Boy, yeah. Uh well, earnings and valuations are tied closely together, as Bert noted, uh, to to think stocks are reasonably valued here, you really have to compare them to bonds, right, when we know what the yields are on the bond market side. Not too attractive, and long-term returns for the bond market are probably going to be uh, pretty meager. Uh, but then you also have to look beyond just this year, right? We know 2020 earnings are going to be uh, significantly challenged, but you know, the value of a stock is more around the out years, right? So 2021 and beyond is really what matters uh, in valuing stocks. We we call it normalized earnings, right? Once earnings get back to normal, whatever that looks like, where are they going to be? Uh, and, uh, you know, this this helped us certainly in 2008-9 when earnings were similarly depressed, right? You really got to look to what the recovery is going to bring you. And, uh, you know, there's an end to this, right? We will bridge to the other side and uh earnings 2021 2022 and beyond are probably going to look similar to how they looked last year so if you value stocks uh on on um, the out years they actually look pretty reasonable here today especially with the fed keeping rates at zero for quite some time yeah and jeff real quickly if you take out financials and consumer discretionary how have earnings looked in the first quarter they've been flat which, right you know not great we're not going to celebrate flat but in this environment, mm-hmm. given what happened to the economy in March, uh, you just take out those two sectors. Uh, the rest have done um, done relatively well. And, uh, you know, we know Q2 is going to be bad, but there are a lot of sectors that are pretty well positioned to uh, come out of this in pretty good shape. Yeah, and Albert, I'm going to go to you in a second to bring us home with your thoughts on small businesses. But before we do that, I want to thank again everyone for continuing to listen to the LPL Market Signals podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a follow. And if you like it even more, 
please give us a uh, positive review. I think we've got 71 out of 73 of our reviews on iTunes have been five star. So, you know, we, we greatly appreciate that. And uh, don't review us if you're not going to give us a five star. <laughs> no, but hopefully we appreciate everybody continued uh, support of this podcast. So, Bert, we've got a couple minutes to go. You gave a um, very unique look last week at the small business uh, numbers and how much small businesses matter. Why don't you bring us home for a few minutes with your thoughts on small businesses here? Yeah, well, I mean, look, it, we we too oftentimes uh, the market focuses on FANG stocks and big publicly traded companies, and I get it, but the bed, bedrock of our economy is small business. If you look at um, companies that have less than 500 employees, um, that's 95% of the entire business population, almost 97% of the business population, and they employ half of Americans. Um, and so there's nothing more important than them. And, and we got the, the a good health check up from them for April, and it wasn't all that great. The NFIB, Small Business Optimism Index, I mean, it fell. Um, but there's some silver linings there, Ryan. I mean, the reality is even though it fell to the lowest level in nine years, um, it was less than um, the areas in and around the Great Recession. And, and I think the big thing for this is if you look at the forward-looking optimism, something where they ask uh, these small businesses, what are you forecasting six months out? And it actually jumped to the highest level in 18 months. And so the reality is, I think they are beginning to see this, the stuff that we were talking about early, earlier, about how you're starting to see people come into the stores, you're starting to see ways that people are ordering uh, curbside. They're starting to see how this, this economy is opening up again. And it just may be that the worst of this downturn might be short-lived, at least that's what small businesses are thinking. And it also might be showcasing that the SBA loans are actually having a, a positive impact. So um, the big thing that I would just say is um, if we want our economy to bounce back, um, then these small businesses need to not just survive, they need to thrive. And to do that, we got to go support them. And, and Ryan, there's nothing, nothing that's uh, a bigger and better investment than that. Uh, go order some chicken wings and from your local uh, place and, and, uh, and support small business out there. And that will make it so that this economy can uh, really restart quickly. And that will be the number one catalyst. Uh, great points there. And that kind of leads into the fact that this is Memorial Day weekend coming up. So everyone support small businesses, enjoy time with family and friends as much as you can uh, using social distancing. And from everyone at LPL Research and the LPL Market Signals podcast, from Bert, myself, and Jeff, everyone, thanks again for being here and enjoy a nice, long, hopefully relaxing weekend. We'll see everybody soon. Take care. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarded the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC, insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent 
you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor. That is not an LPL affiliate. Please note, LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.